people that are here visiting for the holidays, and uh, I'm not going to start calling out names because I'm going to miss someone, but I am going to call out one. Pastor Dan is here with us. If you want to stand for just a minute there. Um, Pastor Dan left Hong Kong three years ago, four years ago, but he keeps coming back, and uh, we get to see him from time to time. Uh, He had the position that that I have now, and so it's just a delight to see you. Um, To start start the message, uh, we're going to extend Christmas one more week. I know Christmas was last week. We're going to talk about a Christmas theme, and if you're used to, uh, in the Philippines, Christmas lasting four months, I want to let you know that that's nothing. Um, We have that in America, too. I mean, in the Philippines, they start in September and they go till December. In America, where I come from, you put up your, dire- your decorations late November, and because of all the snow and ice, you can't take them down till March. So Christmas lasts for four months for us, too. Um, anyway, we're going to extend one more, one more week here. And uh, I want to thank Angela for allowing us to have her painting here. A lot of you heard the story about that at the Christmas banquet. It started off a year ago when we looked at the verse uh, Luke 2.10 there, and we focused on for all the people, that the good news is for all the people, and that got Angela's wheels turning. You can come up there and count the number of hands that there are. Angela doesn't know either. Um, that There's hundreds of hands there receiving the baby Jesus, who is coming for all the people. And uh, thank you so much for letting us use that. Today I want to focus on a couple other words there, and that is good news. I want to talk about the good news and what the good news is. I actually see that there are four Christmas messages here, and uh, maybe sometime in the future we'll do that, but you could easily get I Bring You, and then good news, great joy, and for all the people. And uh, we're going in and out here, so stick with me, and uh, we'll, we'll do this. But I want to talk a little bit about what the good news is. Um, you've heard a lot about the good news over Christmas. You've heard the term. But really, what is the good news? And by the way, I want to let you know there are um, uh, sermon outlines that you can use in the bulletin. If you didn't pick one up, go ahead and do that. And I have also picked up something else as I've been sitting out there among you, and I realize that some of you want to take notes with your, by taking photos. And uh, that's perfectly acceptable. You can do that. And uh, to make it easier to do that, the slides will build point upon point upon point until the slide fills up. And it's always a game to know when to take that photo. Do you take that photo you know, at the third point, the fourth point, the fifth point, wherever it is? Um, So what I did, uh, I was just thinking about this this week. When it's time to take a photo, there'll be a little camera logo (laughs) at the bottom, okay? And you can just take the photo then, and you won't have to uh, just use up all the memory on your phone, um, you know, if you guess too early. So anyway, the good news, what is it? Um, I was looking for a book that was a book that would be worthwhile to give to our children's leaders. I was looking in in, uh, probably late November, December, and I probably spent too much time looking because I was having a good time looking through books. 
And I found one, and some people may recognize it. It's titled, Show Them Jesus, by a man named Jack Klumpenhauer. I'd never heard of him before, but I loved the book because of the first chapter where it talked about the good news. The great thing about the book is it goes on for an entire book. I don't know how many pages, 150 pages, talking about how to show the good news to children. And that's fantastic because our children need to hear the good news of Jesus. But you know, the bad thing about the book is somebody's going to get that and they're going to think that the good news is only for children because this guy could write 150 pages and focus it on children. No, it's not. The good news is for all of us. And so if you want to read the book, it's fantastic. Um, Change the illustrations a little bit, and you can have good news for shepherds, you can have good news for wise men, you can have good news for anyone, you can have good news for us. And that's what we want to look at. The good news is really not a religious word, and I have chosen, if if I can discipline myself, to use the term good news instead of gospel. Because gospel sounds sort of like a religious word. We've made it into this religious word. The gospel actually means good news. And good news is not a religious word in that it's something that's come down throughout the Old Testament or something and all of a sudden it springs forth here into the New Testament and with new meaning and all that. It was just a common word that means good news. It's something that newspapers would use, the news reporters would use, the messengers would use to say that something good is about to happen. And in the Greek language, I know no Greek, I... Google helped me learn how to pronounce this, and so we'll see how I do. Uh, Yoangelion is the Greek word for it. It means simply good news, and it was something that was quite common. It was good news that brought a message from, from a, a, a different part of the empire to the listener. It may be that a, a, Uh, the news of a new emperor or winning the war might have happened. And so that news had to share. The news happened and somebody shared the news with them. And that's exactly what the angels were doing in Luke 2.10. They were sharing the good news with the shepherds. Something had happened The news was not that the shepherds would go and do something. The news already happened, and then the shepherds responded to that news. The baby was born in the case. And so what you have is this good news being shared with people. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, There's the photo icon, first one. Okay, don't want to skip over it. You'll have it there. Um, Mark... Luke and Paul picked up on this term. And we know it now as the gospel, and we know that this good news is a part of the message that we have as Christians. Um, They used it over a hundred times. You can can look through um, Mark, um, the gospel of Luke, Acts, the 13 books by, uh, by the apostle Paul, and you see repeatedly they're talking about this idea that the good news is something to be shared. The good news became the central expression of the church and what's going on. We'll see how that that plays out here with the good news and what it means for us as believers.
But something that you will immediately see is that the good news makes Christianity different. It's very different than what we usually look at as a typical religion. Typical religions look at how I can do something to gain favor with whatever God it is that I'm worshiping. There's something that I must do, and then I will get something in return. In some ways, it's almost that we try to work the system or manipulate the system so that I can obligate the God to owe me something. We oftentimes see this in our self-help thinking, in our, uh, in our, in our society, in, in gaining money, in gaining prestige, in gaining power. I do something, I get something back. It's a transactional thing where there's an obligation. Because I do this, the other party has to do that. And it becomes very much a system of manipulation and, 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 and just simply a transaction. But the gospel is something different. It's not the kind of thing where you do something to earn something. That's, that's getting a paycheck. That's getting what you deserve. Christianity is getting what we don't deserve. Sorry, I think I... Christianity is oftentimes packaged that way, though. Christianity is oftentimes packaged, if you do this, if you do the right things, then you'll gain something. If you come to church on a regular basis, that will earn points with God. No, it'll change your heart, but it doesn't earn points with God. If I read my Bible on a regular basis, I'll earn points with God. No, that'll help you understand God, but that doesn't earn points with God. Oftentimes we say, well, if we take the good suggestions, that Jesus has. He was a good teacher. He had a lot of good suggestions. If I take those good suggestions, I'll earn points with God. No, your life will be better, but you don't earn points with God. So you need to see how this works. What is the gospel? Jesus didn't bring just a typical religion. He didn't just say that here's a system of give and take. If you you look way back into the Old Testament, the covenant that God made with Abraham, a covenant is typically a contract between one party and another party. One party has certain obligations, the other party has certain obligations. In the case of the covenant that God had with Abraham, God did both parts. He paid both parts of that covenant. We see that covenant modeled then as we come to Jesus. Jesus didn't bring a typical religion. Jesus brought good news. An event that happened. It's not the response that we give to the event. The event happened. He brought good news. Now let's take an example from a newspaper. Or the television news or whatever kind of news, internet news, whatever news that you want. News typically now gets more play if it's negative news instead of good news. Okay, you gotta have the you gotta have the bad thing. Now here in Hong Kong we experienced a, a, a T ten typhoon. Most of you were here for that. Some of you who were around the world were praying for us. We had this typhoon that knocked out the windows that they're just now getting repaired in the building across the, the street here. That T10 made the news reports 
front page, first story, because it was a major event that happened. The T-10 either happened or was going to happen, depending on what, what day you were looking at the report. It did not affect whether I accepted the fact that a T-10 was coming. The T-10 was coming whether I believed it or not. My response to the T-10 would be indicated by how I believed the news report. You need to see that as you look at what the good news is, what the gospel is. It's an event that happened because Jesus came... And as the story goes on from Christmas till Easter, this story is an event that happens where God provided a story of good news. Now the question is, what am I going to do with that good news? What am I going to do? Do I believe that the news is really good? Do I believe that something's happened? Am I going to put the tape on my window? Am I going to stay inside on the day that the typhoon comes? Or am I going to go hiking up on a mountaintop? How I believe that news depends on what I do with that news. It doesn't affect the news. My my thoughts about it does not affect whether that T-10 was coming or not. It came. And so let's look at this just a little bit. The good news means that you relate to God based on what Jesus has done for you. Jesus has already done it. He brought the good news. Um, It's not what you've done to prove yourself worthy. You know, if I'm good enough, if I take enough of these suggestions, if I do the right things. No. Jesus has already done it. If you're a believer, a believer is someone who believed the news report that came, then the good news says that God already accepts you fully because you're joined to Jesus. It's not what I do. It's not what you do. It's what God has done for us. By sending the Christ of Christmas, by Jesus going to the cross at Easter. Believing this means that my life will change. My life will change because of what I believe. I'll have a hungry, iron grip on Jesus, not because I have to, but because I want to. Some people say, well, if we don't have all these rules, how are we going to know how to live the Christian life? No, it's, I want to honor God. I want to please Him. I want to love Him. I can rest in Him because the good news has changed my life. All your effort to obey will be a response to what He's already done. It's not a performance on my part to earn His good favor. There's no pressure. There's no false front that I put up. You see, sometimes though, the good news isn't presented this way. And I just want to change that. I want to change it so that it's a love relationship with a God 
who presented Jesus as the baby at Christmas and the Savior at Easter, the God who loves us. Sometimes the good news is presented as merely an example to follow, not a Lord to love. Love has a stronger bond than some rules that we have to follow. And as I looked at this book that I had mentioned earlier, Jack Klumpenhauer gives a quote here that had me thinking for a little bit. What a tyrant Jesus would be if he lived a perfect life. Isn't that Jesus? Jesus lived this perfect life, and he's talking. Uh, the, the author is, is writing this for, for teachers who work with children. Wouldn't that be a terrible setup for our children to say, Look, Jesus was perfect. I want you to be perfect too. What a tyrant Jesus would be if he lived a perfect life, and then as his main message, he told us, Be like him. What a setup for failure. Who could do that? What discouragement and worry would mark our lives. We must understand that our central hope is Jesus' full saving work, not just his instructions. Someone else who's written on this subject is Timothy Keller. The gospel is not the good news of what we can do to be saved, but the good news of what has already been done. To save us. God has already provided it all. God has already provided this good news. We can respond to that good news. We must understand that our central hope is in Jesus' full saving work. Not just His instructions. We find out then that the good news is for sharing. The angels started with it. And I need to say this just to encourage us. We'll do that in somewhat of a clumsy way. We'll share. And we may not have everything said the right way. Our tongue may get tied. Because we're used to sharing the thing of, you need to improve your life. As you improve your life, you will then become a better person. God wants to change us from the inside out. So we have the example of the, the angels. We also, have, we also have Peter, who was present with Jesus. And when he wrote 1 Peter, he said, always be prepared to give an answer to any, everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. And the book of Acts is just simply filled with sharing the good news. I started looking through the book of Acts and trying. I was going to count up the number of times the good news was shared. Not just the, not just the word good news being used, but how many times was the good news shared? I found out that almost every chapter in Acts has some sharing of the good news. Sometimes it's shared two and three times. It's a great place for us to learn. We can see how someone else did it. If you look at Acts chapter 2, you'll see an example of how the good news was shared. Peter stands up with a crowd that had questions. They wondered what was going on in the city of Jerusalem. It seemed like the city was in chaos. 
They were still talking about the event that had happened a few weeks earlier of Jesus um, rising from the dead, and now he's gone to heaven. A lot of discussion, and so Peter shares what the good news is. He explains what's happening. He goes through the history of Israel, and he shares that. And as the people hear the good news, they say, what should we do? What should we do? And it's at that point, Peter responds with repent. Change your life. Believe in this Jesus who's come. And let God change your life. So oftentimes when I share, I want to start with the repent. I can see that your life is a mess. If you would repent, God could change you. Has already done everything. We need to speak God and this message, this good news into people's lives. And then they can see how God can change their life. We find this happening over and over again, like I said, in the book of Acts. Peter and John in chapter 4 share the good news with a man who is crippled. And they speak the good news to him. The audience was a Jewish audience. And so John, uh, Peter and John simply share their testimony. Their testimony of what God has done in their life. How God has given them the good news and now they want to share it. I'm struck by um, chapter 17 in Acts. There's a number of times when the good news is shared in, in chapter 17. We find Paul going to the city of Athens. Athens was a Greek city. A, a city with, with culture steeped in the Greek, uh, Greek tradition. It was different than the Jewish setting that the Gospel had been shared in a lot of times before. You'll remember the Apostle Paul walks into the city and they had so many temples and gods. They had gods everywhere. They had temples everywhere. They wanted to be sure to have them all covered. They wanted to have every base covered. Every god they wanted to honor so that those gods would be obligated to do something for them. They even had a temple that was listed It said, to the unknown God, which is basically, just in case we missed one of the others, we got you covered. And what does Paul do? It's amazing the approach that he takes. He says, I bring you good news. You have a God that you don't know. I want to tell you about him. And he teaches and he preaches in a way that the Greek people can understand. And I think there's something really important here for us to learn at AIC. In AIC, we have people from all kinds of cultures. I wouldn't be surprised if we have four continents covered, maybe five continents right here today. I doubt that we have all seven because then we need somebody from Antarctica. Okay. And by the way, I did go to a church where there was a man who worked in Antarctica for a while. Um, but we have all kinds of different approaches. We come from different backgrounds. Some of us celebrate Christmas for a day or two. Some of us celebrate it for four months. We have all kinds of different approaches. I know that one thing that I've, I've learned from America and from, from my age and my era in America, the four spiritual laws... Were very, was a very popular way of sharing the gospel. Going through four major points that present 
the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ and how somebody needs to understand Jesus. But I also understand that in America and in other parts of the world, that's not the best way to do it anymore. Sometimes it's a story from my life or a story from the Bible. And so I want to just encourage us to get to know the people that we're around and find a way to share the good news. The good news that Jesus came. That Jesus lived on this earth and then He died so that we can have a relationship with God. That's the good news. What are we going to do with that good news is up to the listener. You need to make your decision. The people that you talk to will need to make that decision. What are they going to do with the news? Jesus oftentimes said, He who has eyes to see and ears to hear, make a wise decision. If the news starts reporting that a T10 is coming, change your hiking plans. Don't go out, don't go out on the mountaintop that day. You might not want to go out on the mountaintop for a week or two because of all the trees that are down. So we have this good news. And as we present the good news, people have the opportunity to respond. Here's just a few things for learning to share the good news. We should be good news sharers. And it's a delightful week to be doing this because we've commissioned two mission teams to go out and share the good news. One to Africa and one to Manila. And so just a few ideas that, that I picked up along the way as I was working on this message. Look at how the gospel has impacted you. How has the good news affected you? Because that's going to be a touch point that you can share with someone else. It could typically be called a testimony. But think about how the good news of Jesus coming has changed your life. That becomes your story that you can share and tell. Think about how the good news will impact your listener. How will they be affected because of the news? How were the Jews in how were the people in Jerusalem when Peter explained Pentecost? How were they affected by the news of Jesus returning to heaven? Think about how that good news will impact your listener. And then share the good news in a way that your listener will understand. There may be words or phrases that become catchphrases from your culture that don't translate to another culture. There may be things that are helpful in, in, to your listener in doing that. Get to know your listener and find ways that you can share it in a way that, under, that they will understand. And Peter gives us in his verses to do so with gentleness and respect. A Christian should always be modeling gentleness and respect and we do that with whoever we're talking to about the good news. What happened to the shepherds when they heard the good news? The angels came, told them the good news and the shepherds could have said, that's nice. 
We see this every day. Angels come out of the heaven. There's a baby born. Yeah, we'll, 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 it's more convenient to travel down there in the daytime. We'll, we'll go down. Yeah, tomorrow when we're, we're, when we're in town, we'll stop by. No, they heard the good news. And look at what happens. They came back from seeing who Jesus was. The shepherds returned. What was their attitude? What was their life like? They were glorifying and praising God. Their hearts changed because of the good news. The things were just as they had been told. Pray for that to happen in your life. I've told you some of you, I'll close with this, I've told some of you a little bit about my testimony, how when I was a teenager I used to sit on my hands because the way the good news was shared, the pastor would often ask for you to put your hand up. And I used to sit there and I'd sit on my hands because I didn't want one of them to accidentally pull up. That method didn't work, but on a, on a Saturday evening at, during a special service that was going on, a friend of mine said, Stan, is there any good reason that you don't want to know Jesus as Savior? And I responded. And my life changed. Matter of fact, what happened was there was a special service going on, and some of my friends from church came and invited me to come to that special service. Now, I'd been going to church long enough to know that there was probably going to be some kind of invitation. It was going to be another one of those times when I was going to have to sit on my hands. And I wanted some way out of this. They said, we'll come by and pick you up at such and such a time. We'll, we'll drive you down to church. I was not going to become that obligated where they were going to come in their car and pick me up. I lived about a mile mile and a half away from where the church met, and I said, I'll ride my bicycle. I wasn't old enough to drive. I'll ride my bicycle, and I'll go to church. Well, I did follow through. I did go to that service. I had my bicycle locked up outside. And my friends were so concerned for me. They said, Stan, your life has changed so much. You're so happy. You're so excited. We can't let you ride your bicycle home. You might not make it. You might hit a curb. You might hit a truck. You might hit something. You're just not thinking straight right now because your life is so changed and so excited. So they put my bicycle in the back of the car. Is that the trunk or the boot? And they drove me home. That's what happens when you find out about the good news and your life is revolutionized. And so I encourage you, with all things, share the good news of Jesus and what He's done. And the life will change from the inside out to all the things that the Bible teaches us about. And so I just want to pray. And let's seek the Lord in this. Father, I thank You for giving us the good news. That the good news is so much more than just a way for us to get to know You. A certain path that we need to follow, certain things that we need to do, rituals that we need to follow. Oh Lord, I thank You for sending Jesus so that we can have a relationship with You. 
that we can call God our Father. That You can change us. Change us from the inside out. So that our lives conform to the way that You've made us to serve You. Father, I pray that if there are people here that are hearing about the good news, that are wanting to change from from rules to, to a relationship, Lord, that they will respond. That they will talk with someone here right after the service, somebody they came with or someone that's here in church. That We can share the good news. And we thank you now in Jesus' name. Amen.